Good morning. Come on in. See our Bible studies are, in, are enduring. Good. How's everybody doing today? Wasn't that a gorgeous week today? Oh my goodness. This is the best part of fall. You know? Is your, is your, your apples, do you have pears this year? No. You have apples? Your tomatoes might ripen. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been nice the last week. So maybe another week and boom, there you go. All right. Well, thanks for coming, everyone, today. We do have a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, it's, we are, oh, come on up. Come on up. Hi. Hi. This is for her. Here you go, Terry. I forgot I asked you. I fell up. Don't fall up. It's better than falling down. What am I doing? Hold that. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I love you. I love you. How are you? <laughs> just, just distracted. <laughs> I don't need a mic. I have my own. Oh, you. <laughs> that's right. His little airplane I have a pilot little one right deal. Here, yeah. Yeah, that's great. But you need to hold this up here. I am really hot. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I feel like taking all this off. Yeah, but you need to hold this your mic up. Oh, okay. There, that way it works. <laughs> Because it doesn't work when it's down Okay, here. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you guys. Hi. <laughs> There's oh, a new hi. lady. Hi. This is Cindy. Hi, Cindy. <laughs> I know everyone else. All right, so how has your week been? Great. It was such great weather, wasn't it, this week? Oh, yes, yeah. it was. It was great. I went golfing. That's right, because you've taken lessons. I just started, yeah. Yeah. And it was beautiful weather. It was just a walk in the garden. We're not, I don't keep score. That's probably best. It's best. <laughs> probably less it's stressful. too much higher math. It's, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, no, too I just go. Too much higher math. Yeah, oh goodness, I just walk. Just walk. Yeah. All right. Yeah. How well, about you? I've had a great week. Gar I gardening? I don't garden. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I no. knew That's that. That's too close to weeding. What did you do? Just what did you do? What did I? I don't even know. I'm too old to remember. <laughs> we had, by the way, great uh, grill and chill or whatever that was called at your house. It was we did. so yes, much was fun. About a month ago. Yeah, it wasn't really that long ago. <laughs> wow, it was no, super it duper no, fun. No, it wasn't. It was three weeks ago. Yeah, well, you know, but it was super fun because everybody brings their dogs. <laughs> And the people, and it's just this crazy time. It was so much fun. So there's one thing this that announcement that we're not, and, and you might appreciate this, is in October we're going to have a, 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 a take a pic a, a contest of taking a picture of your pet in a costume. Oh. <laughs> Come on, we'll get into this, Dawson. Come on, Dawson. Because uh, I know he loves the dog. Jesse's idea. It was not Jesse's idea, but it was, she was Dawson's about idea. It. No, no, no. It was another person in the congregation <laughs> oh. that they thought this would be a great thing for October. Is to, and then we'll put this. You know, so if you're online or anyone here, send us a picture of oh, one of your yes. pets. It could be a cow, Jen. It could be a Jen cow, has cows. You know, put, put little Easter bunnies on one of your cows or something. Um, and then and, we'll or put your it in sheep. The slideshow right? in the service, and Any. we'll 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 give a little. <laughs> I just, I just have to give your son a hard time. There it is. I knew he had a smile in there. Okay. He so, told, okay. That's great. And, and with a caption? Sure. Said? Oh, okay. Yes, probably a caption if you can. Yeah. yeah. 
Because Jesse, you know, and if you don't know how to put that in there, Jesse will. Okay, thank you. you. Yeah, I was thinking, no, I'm not going to put a cat. Well, we don't have Joe today, so we're, we're pleased to have uh, uh, Derek and Jen singing for us. And um, we do have a couple of other announcements. So, what okay. do we got there? I think we only have two. One is that we have an all pair church church prayer meeting this oh, Tuesday okay. at 6.30 here at the church. Um, it'll be in person, but if you would like to meet us online, like with Zoom, um, that'll be available as well. We'll put the, the link on our Facebook page so that you can join us, and, um, and I'll be monitoring that, that for you. So, um, but prayer, prayer meeting here at 6.30 on Tuesday. And what was the other one? I know there's one more. There's a couple more. Let's... Uh, there's a ladies' oh. lunch October 9th. Okay, we'll give you some more information about that. I think that is that it. Outdoor work party is coming up on the 15th. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that is that it. And <gasps> another coloring group, of course, um, on the 26th. Is oh. that is that tomorrow? Yes. Right. That is relaxing. It is actually relaxing. So if you're stressed and you need something to calm down, that's me. Come, you know. Um, come to this tomorrow, and you will find it very relaxing. Yeah. It is, actually. I, I did go once, and did you went once, too? I did. Did you like it? Yes, it was weird. <laughs> it's weird how relaxing yeah. it is. Yeah. Strange. Any other announcements? That's all of it. All right. But let's, can you pray for us? Oh, sure. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day and for each person here, and I just thank you for your love and, and your grace that abounds every day. Uh, fill us, and I pray you'll give us uh, fresh eyes and hearts and minds to really hear hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. Thank you for the people who've led us in worship. We, uh, we're grateful for their service and we're for the people who serve us all the time. And, and uh, we thank you for Joe and we pray that his time with his wife celebrating their anniversary would be a blessed day. And so thank you for that. We thank you for the freedom we have in you. We thank you for the, re, for the, for the resurrection that, that makes us your children. We thank you that, that the new agreement you've given with us, the new contract you have with us, uh, states that you've, you've, you've made us righteous by your actions because you, you upheld the law for us. Thank you. Thank you that you're writing the, your, your, your will, your, your law on our hearts that we might obey you, not because we must, but because that's what we want to do. So Jesus, as we come to this time, help me to think clearly, help us to think clearly, and give you the glory that you deserve. Help us to be able to answer difficult questions well. Help us to understand your, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How not to read your Bible. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a series we're doing based on this book by a man named Dan Kimball. He, um, he's a c connected to the seminary I went to, Western Seminary. Um, and it's... Uh, it's making sense of the anti-women, anti-science, pro-violence, pro-slavery, and other crazy-sounding parts of Scripture. It's something that, whether you personally struggle with it, um, certainly our, our, our culture does. Um, where the good book is no longer seen as a good book, but at times it's seen as an evil book. 
because it just they don't because part of the reason why to be really honest is that we Christians don't know how to answer some hard questions um, and today it the issue is because we seem to be just cherry picking which verses which commands we like and which ones we don't and that really opens up uh, us to either we say we don't understand our, our own Bible, which sometimes that's the case, or other times we just simply like it because we like it. It's not because God wants it. We need to be able to answer this. Now, last week we looked at, is there unicorns in the Bible? And maybe that wasn't as such a challenge for you because you're like, okay, whatever. Obviously, that's a translation issue, which it is. It's just a translation issue. But this one actually has far more practical implications, even if, even if you're, the people you talk to never struggle with these things, they never bring these things up, I guarantee you this has an impact on how you live out your Christianity. And we're going to look at some of them, including here, the subtitle, Shrimp, Tattoos, and Rare Steak. talked about that last week there's a whole website devoted to god hates shrimp that's because in things like leviticus leviticus chapter 12 everything in the, it says everything in the waters that does not have fins and scales is detestable for you you shall right don't eat shrimp but we also see in places like leviticus 19 you should not eat any flesh with the blood in it well, there goes rare steak. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. And then it continues. Same verse. I mean, this is in God. This is one right after another. You shall not round the hair off the temples or mar the edges of your beard. Men, do you cut your beard? I, I do. Some of us are clean shaven. And then, and then it goes on. Do not make any cuts on the body for the... Or, or, or a tattoo, for I am the Lord. Know your Bible, guys. This is what it says. Now, some of you will go, well, tattoos aren't okay. But here's, <clears throat> but here's the charge. Well, if you say tattoos aren't okay, how come you eat shrimp? How come you eat pork? How come you shave your beard? And all these other ones. Why are you picking this one out of the other ones? That's a real issue. Why? And as I, as I said last week, this is leading a lot of people to rejecting the faith because you Christians seem completely cherry-picking, making no sense of why this verse and not another. And as I said last week, always consider the context and the culture, styles and the story. Now, last week, it was easy. That was an easy one. The unicorn. This one is not. This is an issue that's very much involved with how do we understand it. Now, the answer, by the way, just to give you a tip of my hat, it's, it's story and culture. You need to know the story of Scripture, and you need to appreciate the culture in which things were written. Okay. Now, 
here, here's, here's, here's the issue. Here's the core issue with this whole thing. Is must Christians obey the Old Testament laws? Now, there's, been, there, there's two basic answers I have always been given. Frankly, both of them are inadequate. One because, well, in, in one case, both because they're both really not from Scripture. They may be true, but they're not in the Scripture itself. And that's a problem because it's, you're not arguing that the Scripture itself is, is, is making that argument. One is, is as, as, as maybe you've heard, why don't you eat pork? Because it was unhealthy. You heard that one? That may be true. But that doesn't, still doesn't answer the issue. They may, you, can, you can pull in some scientific information from our modern day about what we know about some of these practices to go, well, of course this is why you do it. And that may be true. And that, and that, but that does, still doesn't get at the issue. How do we relate to the laws of the Old Testament? The other one, one of the first ones I heard was that there's a three-part three division of the law. They are ceremonial, they are civic, and there are moral laws. The civic, we don't do because we're not part of a, 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 a theocracy like where they were, so you can't do that. Second one, the, the ceremonial, Jesus took care of all of those on the cross. And then the moral ones, well, they transferred over. Here's the problem with that one. Nowhere in Scripture do they make that division. Nowhere. It's completely made up. Second, where do some of these fit? Where, where does not eating, I mean, not cutting your beard, is, is that a moral issue? Is that a cultural? Is, is, where does that go? They don't, the laws don't neatly fit into those three categories. There are some that don't fit at all. This is the problem with it. We need, while, while it is a helpful framework, and it is helpful to have these, these issues about health and other scientific things, that's great. It's a good apologetic, but it still doesn't quite answer the question of how are Christians supposed to relate to the Old Testament laws? Because that's the issue. Why don't murder, but we... Don't do nothing on Sunday, on Saturday. Why, 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 do, why do we do nothing on Saturday? And yet we do say you shouldn't murder. See, that's in the ten, they're both in the Ten Commandments. And the answer is the story of Scripture. Now let me give that to you a little bit. Just an overall thing, but here's, here's going to be the answer. And I want to build it at the end of all this. Boil it down to a very memorable couple of things for you to remember, okay? But here's the story of Scripture, just in general. Adam, at the very beginning, Adam and Eve lost their right relationship with God. This is the, this is the basic issue of Scripture. From the beginning to the end of Scripture, this is what, what God is dealing with. Humanity in Adam and Eve had a good relationship with God, and then they blew it. They lost that. And then it begins this long process of, of God restoring that. And he does this, first of all, through Abraham, who was right with God. 
He had a good relationship with God. That's one of the things that when we read through, through Genesis, he had a really good relationship. He's called the friend of God. And he had that because he had faith in the promise that God made to him. Genesis chapter 15. Then God took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And, the Lord, and Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. He, he made a series of promises t- to Abraham, chapter 12, chapter 15, chapter 22, and Abraham is be- hears God's promises, which all end up pointing to Jesus, and he believes it. And God says, that's what I want. It's, a, it's an agreement, it's a promise to Abraham that he, agree- he believed in. Now, the next big thing is God makes an agreement with Israel. Abraham dies, 400 years later, they come out of Egypt, and and God makes an agreement, a contract, with the nation of Israel. This is not the same as the Abraham agreement. It's a separate one. It's it's out of that, but it's not the same. It's two different ones. It's what Paul is getting at in Galatians chapter 3. And we can see this in Exodus 19. Am I going too, too fast? Just a little bit. Okay? So this, let me back up. Just so so, because I was told I go too fast. Because this is exciting stuff for me. So Abraham messed up. God needs to get it right. And he gets Abraham. He starts making promises. Actually, he makes promises to Eve, and then he makes some promises through Noah, and he makes some promises to Abraham, and Abraham's the big one, and Abraham's right, but there's a promise, a covenant, an agreement given to Abraham, and that's transferred to his son Isaac, and then from Isaac to Jacob, who Jacob becomes renamed as Israel, okay, and that's how Genesis ends, and then after coming out of Egypt, in Exodus 19, God makes an agreement with the whole nation of Israel. It's not with an individual, it's with the nation as a whole. Exodus 19. And we can see it right here. This is right before the Ten Commandments, by the way. It's actually kind of a tricky little section of Scripture. But here we can see God is saying to them, You have seen, nation of Israel, what I did to the Egyptians. How I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now... And you can notice the if-then language. If you obey me and keep my covenant, my agreement, my contract, you will be my special treasure from all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. You obey me, and you're going to be my people. You obey me, you're going to be my people. And you will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So he's talking to to Moses. Moses goes down. He returns from the mountain, calls all the people together, the elders of the people, and told them everything the Lord commanded him, what what we just read. And the people respond, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brings the answer back to the Lord. They made an agreement. God says, you do whatever I tell you to do, I'm going to be your people. Now, this is all, some of the details of this is detailed in a lot of places, but one of them that's really clear is Leviticus 26, 
where he lists, I'm going to bless you and bless you and bless you with all these different things, but then if you disobey, all these bad things happen. This is the agreement to Israel. This is the context for the Ten Commandments and what you see in Leviticus and what you see in, in, in Numbers and all of those. These are the commands, because when he says, if you do everything I, all, if you obey me, obey what? All of these commands I'm giving you. Then you'll be my people, and I will be your God. So, that's, that's what these, all these, these Mosaic covenants, Moses covenants, the Sion, Sion, the Sion, can't say it. Sionetic, either way, the, the laws from Mount Sinai. <laughs> um, all of those laws are part of this agreement. And what, of course, what happens? They break the covenant. They break the agreement. In fact, they do it almost immediately. That's what's going on with the whole golden calf thing. God's up there writing it all down. They've said yes to it. All right, we're going to write all, all the agreement out. And what are they doing down, down at the bottom of the mountain? They're already breaking it, right? But that's the story of the rest of Scripture in the Old Testament, is how Israel goes on and keeps breaking it and breaking it and breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. And eventually, they're exiled because God says, Part of the agreement is you will be in this land and I'll bless you with this land, but if you disobey, and you can read this here in, in Leviticus 26, I'm kicking you out. That's the agreement. And so you get, we get to Jeremiah, who is around at the same time as the, ex, as the, ex, as the exile, them kick, being removed from the land, and he says this, um, the, the people have refused, have turned their backs to their fathers who refuse to hear my words. This is God speaking through, Abraham, through Jeremiah. They have gone after other gods and served them. They've broken the covenant. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant that I made with their forefathers, which is what's being talked about in Exodus. The day is coming, and then, he, and then so, this is what, so that's all Jeremiah is saying, and this is not the only place he says it. That the nation of Israel broke this agreement made in Exodus 19. He then later in this book, and there's other places that say this too, um, God says through, through Jeremiah, the day is coming when I'll make a new covenant, a new agreement with the people of Israel and with Judah. I'll make a new agreement. The covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. It'll be, a di it'll be different than the one in Exodus 19, when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt. It'll be different than this one. They broke that, that covenant, even though I love them as a husband. God was not at fault for the breaking of the, of the covenant with the nation of Israel. But this new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says, says the Lord, and he will write their instructions deep within them, I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. There's a new agreement, and it'll be written on our, and it'll be written, instead of it, God simply telling all these laws, he's going to actually embed it on the internal sides of our hearts. That's a new agreement. God's, there's a new agreement coming, and the prophets 
uh, in various places hint to this. Ezekiel 36, we can see that this is part of what's going on in, in the later chapters of Isaiah. It's proclaimed by the prophets, but it's enacted out by Jesus. When, we, when he says things like this, in the same way after, took, after he took the cup and he had eaten, he said, this is the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What new covenant is he talking about? Jeremiah 31. So, here's the first thing you need to understand to understand how you deal with the Old Testament laws. We are under the new covenant. We are not under the same covenant that was with Moses. We are not under the laws of Leviticus. And so I'm going to say something that probably will, some of you will go, Ugh. the Ten Commandments do not apply to you, not directly, any more than, do you build a boat because Noah was told to build a boat? Well, no. Why? Because that wasn't told to you. You don't. It was given to a different group of people. Remember I said last week, not everything is written to you. It is for you, but not to you. That old covenant is abolished. It is not in effect anymore. As Paul put, now, we still have a relation to it, but I'm coming to it. But you need to understand that those laws do not directly, directly apply. As Paul puts it in Romans 7, you have been released from the law since we have died to what has held us. And he gives this whole illustration of about, so if two people get married and one of them dies, that old agreement, that, that covenant with her husband or, her, or his wife, that doesn't, that's not in effect anymore, right? Because Death has separated. It ends, that, it ends that old agreement. In the same way, we have been released from that old agreement because we have died with Jesus. He's talking about that. That's what happens with the image with baptism. So that we may serve in a new way in the spirit, not in the letter of the law. Because remember, the letter, is, it's not outside. It's going to be written on our hearts. That's what Jeremiah 31 was talking about. The law isn't going to be something written out on, on tablets of stone. It'll be written on our hearts. Which is what, he, what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is talking about with Paul. Or as, he, or as he puts it in Ephesians chapter 2. Now in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles, that's pretty much, I assume all of us. I don't think any of us are Jewish by, by uh, heritage. Um, who were once far off, not part of, the, part of the, 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 the people of God, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, having made both groups, Gentiles and Jewish people, into one. They've broken down the, the hostility. Why? By abolishing the law. All of those commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man, taking in place of the two, so making peace. We live under the new covenant. The old covenant is abolished. And so you can say, the first thing you need to say is, those do not directly apply to me. And by the way, this is the plot of Scripture. 
Abraham was given a promise. All the earth is going to be blessed through you. You're going to have a lot of people like you, Abraham. And then he creates the nation of Israel. That's a separate covenant. That's what, he, that's what Galatians is all talking about. Which one do we want, the slave woman or the free woman? We want the free one. We want to be like Abraham. We don't want to be like Moses. We want to be like Abraham. Why? Because Moses had an okay relationship, but not like Abraham. Abraham had a great relationship with God. We want that one. And that's the one Jesus fulfilled. And we have, So under this new covenant, we have a new commandment. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. Just as I've loved you, so you love one another. How has God loved, how has he loved us? As he puts it in a different place. Matthew chapter, chapter 22. What's the greatest commandment? What's, what's the, if you could summarize everything that, that's the point of the Old Testament laws, Jesus says it's love God, love people. That's our command. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first commandment, and the second is like that. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. This is your commandment, dear Christians. There's a few others, like the Great Commission. But the core thing is love God, love people. In fact, the Great Commandment could just simply, frankly, be it's an expression of this. Because what's more loving to, than, than to tell people about Jesus? What's more loving God than to proclaim in the glory of the, of, of the cross, Right? On these two, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is your command. That's the new covenant. And everything that Paul does and everything else is expressing these two issues. But we do get guidance from that Old Testament. We do get guidance from the, new, from, from the Ten Commandments. It's not, we don't ignore it. Because remember... As he says in 2 Timothy, and I said last week, the holy writings, which include Leviticus and the Ten Commandments, which are able to give you the wisdom for salvation through Jesus. And every scripture that includes that is useful for teaching. It's useful for reproof, for correction, for training us in righteousness so that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. So we need to look to the Ten Commandments. We need to look to Leviticus and these things. as These are supposed to help us understand what it means to love God and love people. How do you know what that looks like? Well, the Old Testament laws help us understand that. They don't directly apply, but they help. Which gets me to this. How then does Jesus and Paul, with this understanding, use those Old Testament laws? How does he do it? And here's the basic answer. They take the principle of the law and then they elevate it. They elevate the standard. They don't reduce it. They actually make it even higher. That's what they're doing. And you'll see this right here. So, for example, Mark chapter 2. Um, Jesus is having this sparring match with the Pharisees, which is often about how we're supposed to interact with the law. And Jesus says the, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. 
Because, see, they were thinking, it's the, it's the letter of the law. It's my duty. I need to do this, 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 and this. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. You missed the whole point. The point of Sabbath is rest. <laughs> I rested. God rested after seven, six days. You need to rest. That's the point of the Sabbath. You see the principle behind it. A couple of verses later, he asked them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or evil? Is it to save life or destroy it? But they are silent because they, they are just looking at the law itself and are, they, they miss the spirit of the law. They miss the point. And this is Jesus' charge over and over and over and over and over and over. You're missing the point. They're not dumb. They just miss the point. And he says, it's about doing good. It's about rest. He's looking at the principle behind the Sabbath. That is what we apply from it. He does this in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said to an older generation, do not murder. Ten Commandments. But how does he apply that command to us? He says, if anyone murders, they'll be subject to judgment. That's the old command. But he says to you, if you're angry with your brother, you'll be subjected to government, to judgment. He takes the, 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 the law itself and says, what's the point? The point is, 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 is in your heart wanting to hurt another person, anger at them. And he says, so that's the real issue. It's an elevated standard. It's not, it's not merely whether you take a rock and knock your brother on the, on the head. It's, do you hate them? That's the problem. He does this all the way through the, through the Sermon on the Mount. All the way through. Whether it's lust, whether it's giving, whether it's treasures in heaven. All the way through. He starts, he's, he's walking through the issues of the law and saying, I want to tell you the real heart problem here, and I'm going to elevate the standard. That is what the, how you use the law. We see the same thing with, P, with, with, with Timothy. Elders who, who provide effective leadership must be counted worthy of double honor. Okay, but what's his argument for that? especially those who work in hard in preaching and teaching. How does he argue for this? He quotes an Old Testament law. For Scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while he's treading out the grain. Well, that has nothing to do with, sub- with honoring preachers. Or does it? What's the point of, the, of muzzling an ox while it's treading out the grain? So the ox is doing the work for you, right? And you should allow him to enjoy some of the works of his labor. That's the point of the, of the Old Testament law. The principle, when someone is working hard for you, allow them to enjoy the works of their labor. In other words, honor pastors. The worker deserves his, his pay. That's the point. In fact, the next that last line there is the principle applied of the actual law. This is how you use the laws. He does the same thing with giving. And before I move to that, how much should Christians give? 
What's, what's the stand, answer we hear a lot? 10%? That's the Old Testament law. Nowhere in the New Testament do you hear that. Not one time do you hear that. What do you hear? God loves a cheerful giver. Each one of you, you should give just as his heart has decided, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. What's the point of giving? It's not how much. It's do you like to give? You need to have a generous heart. Because you could give 10% and still be a curmudgeon. God doesn't want that. He wants you to have a heart that, is a, that loves to be a giver of, ever, of the stuff you've got. That's the point. Hopefully I didn't go too fast. Does God hate shrimp? No. But what's the point here? How can we pick and choose some of these verses? How do we pick and choose some? And I heard, and maybe it was actually in the book. There's nothing wrong with cherry picking. Because when you go to pick a cherry tree, do you pick every single cherry? No. You don't pick the ones that aren't ripe, and you don't pick the rotten ones, do you? You pick the right ones. But, but you don't do that willy-nilly for no particular reason. There's a reason why you say that law, yes, that law, no. That cherry, yes, that, that cherry, no. There's a reason for it. So how do we do this? Whether, you know, why, do we have Seth, why do we hold the sexual ethics in the Old Testament, but we still eat shrimp and pork? Why? Why do we, why do we eat raw, rare steak? Why can we do that? Because what's going on in these things is we look at the principle behind it. So what's going on with shrimp? Culture. You need to be distinct from your culture. But more than that, Jesus actually answers this specific issue. Mark 7, he said to them, Ugh. That's kind of what it means. Like, oh my gosh, you people. <laughs> Don't you get it? That whatever goes into your person can't defile him. Because what happens to it? It goes into the stomach and then out the other side. Goes into the sewer. That's not going to defile you. Which means all foods are clean. That includes shrimp. You can eat shrimp. You can eat pork. You can eat raw steak. But what comes out of a man is what defiles him. This image of eating certain things and not was to try and help them grasp that you do not want to be a defiled person. You want to be pure. Because these things were bottom feeders. You don't want that. That's the point of this. Why don't you want to eat pork? Because they're a dirty... They're, at the time in that culture, they were considered a dirty animal. You don't want to eat dirty stuff, because, not because of health reasons, although that applies too, but because God wants you to be pure. God wants you to be holy. That's the real issue. So we got to get past all these laws and go, what's the issue behind it? So here's what I want you to remember. 
When someone asks you why this law another, you are under a different contract. You are under a different contract. You are not under the old Mosaic laws. You are not under the laws of Leviticus. They do not directly apply to us. We have a new commandment. That is to love God, love people. But they are a guide. And they guide us by you take the principle and you elevate the standard. That's how you deal with all of this. This is why, like for example, tattoos. I know it's very controversial, but you need to understand that in those days, the point of the tattoos then, it was, a, it was an act of religious practice. This was, it was not a mere matter of, um, I'm just, you know, I want to do it because it looks fun. No, they're doing it as an act of worship for the other deities, for other gods. It's idolatry. That's the problem. It's an act of worship. It would be the equivalent today of getting the little red dot on your forehead because you want to worship Brahma. No, don't do that. Because that's a religious act. Today, they're, they're more of, I don't know, adornment, like clothes that are permanently on you. Now, you, now there are other principles that might apply that you might agree. Um, does, it, does it deface God's image because you represent God's image? Okay, if, that's, if, if you do think that's going to deface God's image, then don't do it. That would be a legitimate reason not to get a tattoo. But it's not the reason in Leviticus chapter 19. The principle there is an idolatry issue. It's not merely this physical act. Look at the principle behind it. Look at the standard that's being presented and elevated if it's possible. Don't mix religious practices because that's idolatry. Okay? Now, that's the sermon. <laughs> There's a lot there. We're going to go to communion. And next Saturday, Sunday, if you have more questions, that's the place to bring them. To Johnny, to, 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 to Terry and Bob in there. We have two different classes. One's just women only. One's for anybody who wants to come. 9.30 this coming Saturday, Sunday. Um, you can also ask me after church. How does these things fit together? Because it's complicated. And probably for some of you, you've never had this really well answered. But you should know. Why do you pick that cherry and not that one? Why do you cut your beard, but you don't want to get a tattoo? Why? You need to know why. You need to know why. Because we, we look foolish to the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for freeing us from the law. Thank you for freeing us from, from uh, needing to earn our righteousness from you. Thank you that, uh, that you have given us that righteousness. But Lord Jesus, also, I help us to, 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 to be free from the lowering of the standard 
to, to mere do's and don'ts and see that, that your standard for us is so much higher that it's down into how we feel about something, how we want, whatever we want to give, whether we want to love people. Help us to do that, Jesus. We thank you for the new agreement that we have with you. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to take a moment and kind of prepare our hearts for communion. And while you're doing that, I want you to just think about how you have been freed from the Old Testament laws. Which is, on one hand, a beautiful thing. Because you're not right by, by this whole sets of do's and don'ts. You're right by your faith in Jesus, just like Abraham. But on the other hand, it means your standard that God's calling us to is so much harder than just merely external righteousness. Have you made the checklist? I think about Paul in Philippians saying, according to the law, he was blameless, but he knew that in his heart, he did not match the perfection of God. And so he counted all of that goodness, all of that rule keeping as garbage. We need to as well. As we come to the table saying, Jesus, you made us right. And oh, praise Jesus, one day you're going to make us just like you. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and says, this is my body given for you. And there he was, just a couple of hours later, he was crushed for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brings us peace was laid upon him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he says, this is the, the new covenant written in my blood, the new contract, the new agreement. Where I will write the law on your hearts and I will forgive you of all of your iniquities. Come to the table. His arms are wide for you. And then we'll share the, the pieces together, the elements together.
Thank you, Derek. By the way, I was sitting there thinking about if I didn't answer it, the reason for the, 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 all of the things in Leviticus, the, the beard, the rare steak, and all that, that's all idolatry. That's all it is. And you can see that in the text. Because he ends that, that phrase with, I am the Lord God. I am God. Don't worship another God. That's the point. The body and blood of Christ given for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love for us. We thank you that for, the, for the hope that we have in you of one day being transformed fully as we enter into your presence where the law will be fully written on our hearts and we will be just like you, Jesus. And then we will love you and we will love each other perfectly. We long for that day when we get back to how we were originally planned in Genesis chapter 2. We thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. We thank you, Father, for our hope. Bless these dear people this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming this week, guys. Have a great week.